Bedford's News Talk Station. 1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologus. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Great to have you in our audience for a show that has proven to be the most popular Sunday morning show. And, well, I know why. You, Ray Lance. And this is Money Wise, brought to you by USA Wealth Group. And that is the truth. It's because of you and your expertise and what you do in the community. Well, thank you very much, Phil. Thank you for those kind words. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. We try to bring subjects every week that are important to you. We like to show folks how to protect your family and how to protect your money. That's our mantra. That's our mission. We're located at 352 Fonts Corner Road, and MoneyWise is brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. Today we have a very interesting topic. Stay tuned. If you are a woman, you need to listen to this show. If you are a man, you need to listen to this show. If you are a person born of a woman, you need to listen to this show. I guess that would include all of us, wouldn't it, Phil? Mm. If you're married to a woman, if you have daughters, you need to listen to this show. Because today we're going to be talking about gender equality and why can't a woman earn exactly the same amount as a man does for doing the same work? So we're talking about gender equality today. And our special guest is Valerie Bassett. Valerie is the executive director of the Women's Fund of Southeastern Massachusetts. Good morning, Valerie. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, you know, I am married to a woman uh, who happens to be uh, an attorney. Um, she's a professional. She does a great job. She's helped so many people over the years. And we have a daughter who happens to be a woman. And I don't ever think of either of them uh, as being anything other than my equal, especially my daughter, who is also an attorney. Uh, she's being a stay-at-home mom right now, but she's very competent and very talented. She can out-talk me any day of the week. Um, she's smarter than I am. She's wittier than I am. And I've never thought of her as being anything other than an equal, and she is. And uh, I think most men ought to think the same way about their wife, and they ought to think the same way about their women, uh, their, their daughters, excuse me. And um, that's just the way it ought to be. But it's not, unfortunately, is it? We have a lot of inequality. Right. We're not there yet. And it is really puzzling, given that it's 2016, um, that this issue still exists. Do you know something shocking? When I was preparing for this show, I just realized, and I hadn't thought about it for a while, it was only in 1920 that women were given the right to vote in this country. That's less than 100 years ago. We haven't even reached the 100th anniversary of the right to vote for women. It's crazy. Right. It is. You're absolutely right. Yeah. My so, grandmother was dressed in a white dress, right, with the banner, women's suffrage, and she was one of the first to walk in Peabody and then in Boston. Isn't that exciting? My grandmother. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. To see all of the, the ladies, all in white. Right. That was the symbolic, uh, what they did for effect. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Well, we're really thrilled, ladies and gentlemen, to have Valerie Bassett with us this morning. As I mentioned, Valerie is the executive director of the Women's Fund of Southeastern Massachusetts. And 
Valerie, I was looking at some of your background information, your biography, and you've done a fairly uh, large number of interesting things. First of all, you graduated from Brown University. Um, yes, I did a good while school. back. Yes, it was a great school. It well, is a great school. It's been a while back for many of us. <laughs> and you also have a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing from Emerson College. Yes, yes. Uh, that's a good school. I'm actually helping uh, sponsor a, a young woman from Chicago go to Emerson College right now. Oh, that's great. And she's become an expert, and she's fully supporting herself um, in college for her tuition and her books. I'm helping her in some other ways through her father. Um, she does a lot of work in the area of computers and blog writing, mm. and she's been self-supporting practically all the way through high school. Which that's is impressive. Very impressive. Mm. She's really going to go places. Now, I know you've also done things. Um, you've spent 14 years uh, working for the, um, the government in Massachusetts and foundations and nonprofit sector. You've been executive director of the Massachusetts Public Health Association. Uh, what did that organization do? MPHA focused on uh, passing statewide legislation and funding to make communities healthier. So we worked on issues like uh, getting healthier food in schools, for example, and getting more money directed to prevention. Mm -hmm. So people are healthier before we're paying for health care. Um, so really focusing on healthy communities. And Valerie, you also worked for uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts Foundation, and what did you do there? I was the director of research and policy, and I came on just after health reform had been passed in Massachusetts, so it was a very interesting time. I was overseeing the research around what was the impact of health reform and kind of monitoring how it changed things, and then helping get that research out to public discussion uh, so we could make better decisions. Well, I think you're a really important person in our community, mm -hmm. and I want to you don't have to agree, I and mean, you can just That's sit there and kind. make faces at me. <laughs> we haven't met before today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but um, you also worked at the Boston Public Health Commission, and you helped create the Office of Intergovernmental Relations and Public Health Advocacy. Yes. And you also, uh, I'm not sure if you uh, worked in or you helped create the Office of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Health. I helped create it and, uh, and then handed it off to someone else to run. Well, the one thing that guides uh, many of my principles is that of equality. I think everybody needs to be treated the same, regardless of income class, regardless of education, regardless certainly of your background, uh, your heritage, uh, gender orientation, and certainly whether you're male or female should not ever make any difference in what kind of opportunities you're allowed to have in this, in this country, certainly. Well, I'm right there with you on that, yep. and I appreciate that. And um, Phil and I, by the way, share an interesting background, uh, a couple of things. We're, we've both been um, Masons. I'm still active in it. Phil's not quite as active at the moment. Um, but one of the things the Masonic fraternity believes is absolute equality. So we have all religions represented in my own Masonic lodge, for example. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about religion, but we do open our every single lodge with a prayer, and a salute to the flag. So those are good things that we do. And by the way, that organization, the Masonic organization, all of the branches of it support causes that help children, everything from the Shriners Hospital to um, early learning disabilities, dyslexia, things of that nature. So 
I have to tell you, Valerie, and ladies and gentlemen, the reason that I was interested in talking with Valerie Bassett and learning more about gender equality is because I saw her picture in the paper right after the first of the year because Valerie Bassett was named Woman of the Year for the South Coast, the top position for all of them. Thank you. You might remember seeing her photograph in the paper, and she was leaping across the street, um, I guess at Tall Bounds or something like that. (laughs) And then there's a picture right below of her with Wonder Woman. Because that's part of your campaign, isn't it? Yes. uh, At the Women's Fund, we have a campaign where, for a donation, we will take a cardboard cutout of Wonder Woman and put it on your Wonder Woman's lawn um, or in front of the house. I like it. Yes, it's a lot of fun. People have been happily surprised to wake up to Wonder Woman. (laughs) I put put things on people's lawns before, but it wasn't Wonder Woman. (laughs) When I was in college, for example, one of my uh, friends... um, I snuck up on his house at night. He was still living at home, and I had I did this with a friend, and we took an an empty used toilet and we put it up on the front porch of his house, and then we rang the bell and ran. We're going for a different <laughs> symbolism. I, I like your symbolism better. <laughs> well, women's rights are very important. Women, we shouldn't even have to be talking about women's rights, should we? We should be talking about equal rights for everybody. That's even more important, isn't it? It is. It is. Why do you think it is that women don't get paid as much as men for the same job, the same job performance? I think at its essence, it really reflects an outdated economy, Uh, one that's based on the assumption that the male is the primary breadwinner um, and the, the woman is at home caring for the family, the house, the children, uh, extended family, parents, etc. And the truth is that's not our economy, and it hasn't been for a while. Um, but I think that our wages and you know some of the structures like accessibility of daycare haven't caught up with the reality that uh, women are, are a huge part of the workforce. Um, so... You know, we have things that have been documented by, for example, a researcher out at UMass Amherst, uh, the motherhood penalty and the fatherhood bonus. So, you know, that for every child a man has, he generally gets a raise. You know, it may not be intentional, but this is has been studied and it's Isn't a pattern. Wow. For every child a woman has, she loses about 5% uh, of income. And so this is a a phenomenon that's sort of, I think, happening largely subconsciously, but reflecting the idea that, again, the male is the primary breadwinner and the female is somehow going to be uh, doing less or less available. Sometimes that may be true because of childcare arrangements. That's another problem here. Um, But at the same time, we know that's also not always true. So even when you control for the time women may take off to take care of children, there's still a wage gap, a differential in what's paid. And I know in Massachusetts, we still have a problem. I've, I've heard estimates that it may take as long as the year 2058 before there's exactly. real equality in this state? If we continue at this rate, but I'm hoping that working together we can speed that up a bit. Right. And so, But there is, a, there is a difference right now, and if you look at it over the lifetime of a woman, um, sometimes the difference in earnings over a lifetime can be as much as five hundred to $800,000 in the state of Massachusetts. Less 
income, less earnings that a woman will make. I'm so glad you raised that point, Ray, because um, we often think about it as the hourly difference, right? 78 cents on the dollar in terms of uh, New Bedford and about 81 cents on the dollar uh, statewide, less for women of color. We know that African-American women are only making 66 cents on the dollar and Latina women only 54 cents. But that's a snapshot. And and yes, if you look at the impact over a lifetime, um, the reduction of your Social Security benefits for in lost wages, uh, retirement. We know that women are only uh, taking drawing about fifty six cents uh, on the male dollar for pensions and annuities. So it's not only lost salary, uh, it's lost retirement savings and Social Security, and so it does have a huge impact on women's economic stability. I'm going to say a few things a little bit later about the differences in Social Security as well. Um, but we, we have many, many problems. So the starting point of our discussion today is that we really need to have better pay equality for women. And although Massachusetts has been uh, somewhat of a leader in this country, we're going to talk about some legislation in just a minute, um, there still is a gap. It still does exist. And some of the best states and some of the worst states, Massachusetts is pretty close to the top. I think we're like number three, aren't we, for being the best in terms of the gaps? In terms of uh, in terms of women's average or median income, we're very high. And But in terms of actually the ratio of women's earning to men's earning, we're actually 19. Um, there's the folks at the Institute for Women's Policy Research did a lot of great reports and have focused on this last year. Uh, and they created an index compo- composed of a number of different factors. When you look at the index, that includes women's participation in the workforce, uh, the ratio of women's earnings to men, women's overall median income, and a couple other factors. Massachusetts does pretty well overall. But looking at just the ratio of women's earnings to men, Massachusetts isn't quite as high. We're down about 19. Well, you know, we think that we live in a really enlightened society in this country, and we really don't. Um, In 2014, for example, the United States did not even make the top 10 list of the most gender equal countries, uh, which, so we're, we're below the top 10 list. And we lagged behind countries such as Burundi, Latvia, Nicaragua, and the Philippines had better uh, gap closure, if you will, uh, better equality between men and women's earnings. Um, if you look at the fact that in our corporations, only Um, 14.6% of executive officers and 8.8% of the top wage earners are women. Uh, 8% of the top wage earners in the Fortune 500 companies are women. Um, So we still have a large gap uh, in this country. And Valerie, as you've said, uh, the gap is even worse amongst women of color and Latina women, for example. Um, right now, the number one uh, place to be for not having a gap is Hawaii. Uh, New Hampshire is around number nine for a tie. And Massachusetts, I guess, according to one measurement that I saw, is ranked number 18, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're not really doing as well as we need to, and we need to do a lot more. And despite the fact that there have been gains recently, there is still a lot of inequality in the workplace. So I, I know there's been some uh, legislation recently to try to close the gap. Uh, we had a bill that was just passed the first of this year in the month of uh, January uh, in the Senate in Massachusetts. It passed unanimously to try to 
close some of the income gaps. Do you know any of the details of that, Valerie? I do, and uh, that's something that the Women's Fund is proud to be on the Massachusetts Equal Pay Coalition working on this issue um, and working with the a lot of other women in the southeastern Massachusetts and leaders to make this happen. Um, the Mass Equal Pay Bill would do three key things. Uh, the first one is clarify the definition of comparable pay. And this is the, the kind of statute that says that puts it out that women should be pay there should be comparable pay for comparable work, um, not just by gender, but just as a period. Employers should pay comparably for comparable work. But to this point, some of the definitions of kind of understanding what does that mean have been a little fuzzy. So the language is clarified about what that means. The second thing the bill would do is create some uh, protections around hiring and salary disclosure. So workers would be allowed to talk about their salaries with other employees without uh, punitive action by employers. And that's important because we know that transparency, uh, sunshine helps with uh, equity for wages. And it would also prohibit employers from asking for salary history in the interview process. And if you think about why, if you think about, you know, if I go into a job and I've been already underpaid for my 20-year career, mm. you know, you go in for a job if we're at the, you know, this is about the same age, for 20 years you've been making more. If, if our next salary is based on our previous salary, that just reinforces that wage gap instead of, you know, what is this job worth? That's really interesting. I was trying to figure out why that would be an issue because um, I know in my own office when we've interviewed people in the past, we're not always sure what kind of salary to offer somebody. And sometimes we like to know what their prior salary history has been. But I guess that sure. if this becomes actual uh, law in Massachusetts – I assume it would apply to every employer, not just large employers, or would there be a cutoff? Do you know? That's an excellent question. I think that statute applies to all employers, um, but mm. I think some of the um, the, man the next requirement, the mandatory salary and wage posting for every position description and every listing, uh, that may be only required for larger, but I'm not sure what the cutoff like is. 25 or 100 employees or something like that. It's but, probably more difficult for a smaller employer uh, for some of these provisions. But, you know, it's, it's still a measure of progress or not. Um, Massachusetts happens to be the first state in the country to pass a pay equity law about 70 years ago. And that was enlightened, but we still have a ways to go. So in any event, we have this brand new bill that's just passed the Massachusetts Senate unanimously, I would mention. But then when I was reading stories about this, I'm reading that it hasn't yet uh, gone through the House of Representatives, and, and then, of course, after that, it would have to be signed by the governor. And I'm surprised to see that there's opposition out there that, you know, there's a question about whether it would pass the House or not, or whether the governor would sign it or not. And in this day and age, that just really surprises me, especially mm -hmm. in a state um, such as Massachusetts. I think what we we see is some division among in the among business leaders around concern over the impact, you know, and I think mm -hmm. um, that's where we hope to work with business leaders who are supportive and understand that um, whatever modest changes this might uh, require, that it would be worth it in the long term for we know that em employers where there is more equity. 
there's more productivity. Um, it's a more positive work environment for everybody uh, so that the benefit, um, let alone fairness, the benefit is worth uh, some of the adjustments that would be required. But I think the process will go forward with some negotiations around mm-hmm implementing over time and how to make this work for everybody. So I'm hopeful, but there'll be a lot of conversations about what happens uh, going forward and if it passes the House. And I guess right now that uh, this uh, bill, this gender equality bill, does have the backing of the Greater Boston Chamber of Commerce. Yes. But then you've got other organizations such as Associated Industries of Massachusetts and the Mass High Tech Council that may be opposed to it. Right. Right. And I think that's where um, it's up to those of us who care a lot about this issue and are working on it to really have conversations with business leaders who have questions, uh, understand concerns, and try to clarify things where there may be misunderstandings, uh, or work toward common agreement, if possible, around how can we go forward on the same page. Um, because I do really believe this isn't just a women's issue. This is really uh, a community, a family issue. And uh, ultimately, it's good for businesses, bottom line, uh, to do better by all of their employees, women and men. Sure. So maybe when it comes time to uh, negotiate more seriously with the House members, for example. I mean, frankly, I can't imagine House members, House representatives members, wanting to be out there in opposition to this kind of legislation. I just find that inconceivable today. But I suppose if you have lobbying, they, they may get some money from lobbyists. That's, right. They say there's two things you don't want to watch how they're made. Uh, one is sausages and the other is legislation. It is a messy process, but it's, but it, you know some things are worth rolling up your sleeves and, and getting messy to, to work for. Um, so I think that's where... We are happy to be part of groups that are doing that work on this. Um, but I do believe that I think that the legislators in this region, the representatives in this region, by and large, are supportive of um, this bill. Well, we're talking with Valerie Bassett this morning, who's the executive director of the Women's Fund in uh, New Bedford, Greater New Bedford. You know, Valerie, I was surprised when I was reading articles about this topic in general, gender equality that it's at every single level. You think of movie stars in Hollywood, for example, that wouldn't be affected by this, but they are. Uh, Meryl Streep, for example, asked Congress to revive the Equal Rights Amendment because of discrimination in Hollywood. And I guess in, in one sense, if you think about it, Hollywood may be the classic example of women being taken advantage of, both physically as well as economically, and they're thrilled to be offered parts and... Um, Maybe they settled for less or maybe they're offered less, but their male counterpart stars are paid more than the female stars are paid. There's no logic in that. Um, But there's been a lot of uh, women actors and uh, actresses who've gone on record um, opposing this and saying it's not fair. The system is not fair. So it's not just um, in local jobs that we think about where we have a problem that's on many, many levels. I also read that there's something called a Women's Equality Day. Is that something that takes place every year? Yes, actually. It's, uh, it's the day. There are actually three Women's Equality Days um, that measure how far into the next year a woman would have to work to earn the same as her male counterpart. So, for example, in 2016, um, a woman would have to have worked all of the year, well, let's say for 2015 wages to be equal, a woman would have had to work all of 2015 plus 
you know, several months into 2016 to earn what a man earned, and that's women on average. Um, I know that the Latina Equal Pay Day is in October. So, for example, a woman would have to, a Latina woman would have to work all of 2015 plus 10 months in uh, the next year to earn what uh, a man would earn. So we're looking forward to March 8th is Women's Equality Equal Pay Day, at least, at the Massachusetts State House. And so those of you who are interested in this issue uh, can contact the Women's Fund and be part of that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be right back after a short break. We're talking with Valerie Bassett this morning on the topic of gender equality. And boy, do I have a lot more things to ask you about, and I even have a few quotations Uh, It's been so busy for the first part of this show that I haven't even given any quotations yet. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to our special guest this morning, Valerie Bassett, who's the executive director of the Women's Fund in New Bedford. So I promised you, uh, Valerie, that I was going to have a lot more questions for you. I think we're going to have more material to talk about today. You know, I have to say that I really value the experience of growing up with my mother. My mother worked very hard. Uh, She took care of the house. Uh, My dad was in the Marine Corps for a a long time, and he did his macho male thing in the Marine Corps, and he came home, but she took care of the house. Uh, She did the cooking. She did the shopping. She did the cleaning, although the three children in the household all had chores to do. We all participated in that. But she also worked at least one job, and often she worked two jobs outside the home. She was a bookkeeper most of her life, and she worked hard, and she taught me a lot. She taught me probably everything I know about working hard and doing a good job and doing a proper job. My dad might have taught me to stand up straight and, you know, pay attention and so forth, but uh, she taught me a great deal, and... I owe a lot to my mother. I guess you'd say the same thing, wouldn't you, Phil? Love her. And you'd Absolutely. probably say the same thing, Valerie. I would. I think we all know yeah. a woman who taught us a lot, and uh, we can honor them by working for equality. Absolutely. So I have an interesting little quotation here from uh, one of our Supreme Court justices, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and said, My mother told me to be a lady, and for her, that meant to be your own person, be independent. And she's a very independent-minded person, not just a woman, but a person. She also said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I said on the equality side of it that it is is essential to a woman's equality with man that she be the decision-maker, that her choice be controlling. And then she also said, one more quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, women will only have true equality with men when men share with them the responsibility of bringing up the next generation. She was very concerned about that as a topic. And um, we've talked a little bit about the fact that we still have a problem uh, in this country with uh, gender equality, with, and we're talking today primarily about money issues and uh, economic equality. But I think in many respects... Um, Planning for finances is a really bigger problem for women than it is for men. Uh, First of all, women live longer than men do. Uh, Women don't earn as much as men, which is what we're talking about today. And yet, interestingly, women control more of the assets and the decision-making about finances and spending than men do. 
So it's it's really a sort of a bitter irony that they're not paid the same. Um, women do pay more of the bills, and uh, that's just a fact. We've talked about the statute that was passed by the Senate recently to create uh, a better climate, a better um, situation for having uh, economic equality between men and women. We hope that that becomes law. Um, has the attorney general in the state gotten behind this legislation? Yes, she has, actually. Attorney General Healy um, testified in support of the mass equal pay bill, um, as did our state treasurer, uh, Deborah Goldberg. Also a woman. Yes. So we have we have a moment here in Massachusetts with a lot of uh, women at high levels of elected uh, leadership. And yes, we so do. that creates a real opportunity to, I think, move some things forward. Um, one of the things that Attorney General Healy and Treasurer Goldberg have implemented that is related to uh, workplace issues, women's participation in the workforce, is paid family and medical leave. Um, and that's another issue that we're looking at. Um, how can we um, allow for the important caretaking time that not just women, but that families need to have happen for children, uh, for parents, uh, for sick family members. And one of the reasons that, as you mentioned before, we're not in the top 10 of, of countries uh, for that are high on women's equality is because of our lack of a real child care system and because of the lack of paid parental or family and medical leave. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that um, some of our states leaders have implemented in their division. So the Attorney General implemented paid family and medical leave within her division, as did uh, uh, Treasurer Goldberg. We're going to be talking about some solutions as we get closer to the end of this hour. And as a reminder, we're talking with Valerie Bassett, our special guest this morning, Executive Director of the Women's Fund. And our topic is gender equality. Mm -hmm. And it is an important issue. It's an important issue for everybody listening today. If you're a man listening today, you ought to be concerned because whether it's your mother or your sister or your daughter or your wife, all these people are going to need to get by financially, and you're not necessarily going to be the main provider at some point in time. Um, elderly women are less likely than elderly men to have significant family income from pensions other than Social Security. So the right Social Security decisions are very, very important. And by the way, Valerie, most people in general, both male and female, tend to collect Social Security too early. Most people collect it at age 62, and they're shortchanging themselves. Um, this is a critically important decision for not only the man who might take it too early, because if his Social Security uh, retirement pay is higher than his wife's, let's say, when he passes away first, which is typically the case, she's going to have a smaller Social Security to collect. So if there is a difference in pay between their Social Security checks, he might be better off to wait until a later age to collect so that if he dies first, there's going to be a larger benefit for his, his spouse, his wife. And now this highlights the problem also that because women often are home taking care of children, uh, because women have earned less because of the gender pay gap, they don't have as much contributed into Social Security. And therefore, their Social Security check typically is going to be less than their counterpart husband. And that's a problem, and it's a compounding problem. So if we can eliminate the gender gap in wages, then women will be contributing more to Social Security, and it won't be as much of a problem. 
Um, we do a lot of work in the area of Social Security, by the way. Um, and um, and probably about a month from the date of this show airs, we're going to be doing some seminars on Social Security. And I encourage people to get more educated on this uh, subject. Um, have you ever heard of Jane Fonda? Indeed, I have. Um, she's sort of a mixed person in, in terms of thinking of her as an image or uh, somebody to look at. But um, but she said a lot of things that were very interesting about um, women in general and gender equality and educating women. And one of the things she said was, you don't learn from successes. You don't learn from awards. You don't learn from celebrity. You only learn from wounds and scars and mistakes and failures. And that's the truth. Um, of course, she had a lot of problems in her own life. And, um, but still an interesting uh, thing uh, that she had to say. She also said that we can no longer waste time and money every day. More than 2,000 girls in America ages 15 to 19 give birth. And the wealthiest, most educated nation in the world, neither you nor I should accept this statistic. And although that's not gender equality necessarily, it's still a problem. And it's still a problem why a lot of young women today in this country get bogged down too early with children and then have childcare responsibilities. And so to the extent that we can help solve childcare, you know, we help solve that problem as well. You know what I was wondering? Is national daycare an idea that uh, hasn't been tackled and ought to be? I absolutely think it should be tackled. I think what we'll see in this country is steps, small steps, uh, ultimately towards something like that. So if you look at um, you know the issues like the motherhood penalty, a big piece of that is the fact that there is no system. You know, we rely on women's unpaid work or grandparents or you know, people having to decide, can I afford to work? Can I afford the child care? Um, and if you're a low-income family, you're lucky if you get a voucher. Um, otherwise, you might not get to work or certainly not go back to school. So it really is tying families' hands behind their back, the lack of a meaningful daycare system. Um, but if you, one of the things we are supporting is universal pre-kindergarten, really sort of moving the public school system down to younger children, maybe using a combination of private providers as well as public schools to do that, but saying this is something that we as a society need. We can't just rely on people's individual solutions and patchwork to piece it together. Interesting. It's it's a real problem. My son and his wife, who happen to make almost exactly the same pay, by the way, which is nice to see, they have three children. They've got two in school, and they've got one that has to go to daycare. And it's a huge expense for them. And they're counting the days and counting the months until they no longer have to pay for daycare and will have their daughter uh, in school. And um, she runs the whole family, by the way, the uh, three-year-old daughter. <laughs> she does. Early leadership. Huh? Yes. <laughs> we have one of those, too. <laughs> She's got everybody wrapped around her little fingers. Uh, yes. Hopefully she'll put it to good use, channel That's it right. for good. Yes, I think she will. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt was one of the great minds in this country and one of the most outspoken, uh, outspoken people. And she once said, a woman is like a tea bag. You can't tell how strong she is until you put her in hot water. She had some funny things to say. But she's also a character that I really admired. Does the same apply for a guy? 
No. <laughs> He'd put his toe in the water and jump out. <laughs> no, women are definitely stronger than men. I, I firmly believe that. And uh, women live longer than men. Um, it's actually been scientifically uh, proven in many ways. Uh, women, female babies in the uterus are stronger and survive more, more often than male babies do. It's a scientific fact. It's been proven. Uh, women live longer than men. Women are tougher. I mean, I, I think women are stronger, and uh, they just have to handle. They're tougher in the uterus. Um, they're less likely to be daredevils than men, so they live longer for that reason. They don't do as many stupid things as men do. <laughs> I mean, when I was about five years old, I took a cardboard box and decided it would be fun to write it inside the box down some icy cellar stairs uh, at a housing project I lived in. I split my head open front and back and had stitches. Um, men are wired to do more stupid things than men do, than uh, women do. Um, women succumb later in life to heart disease than men do and probably take care of themselves um, better than men do. I have a feeling that's because so much stress is involved. Heart disease and stress have a lot to uh, have a lot in common. We just, you know, are in February. I had a lot of uh, physicians on talking about women's health care, mm. heart care, and stress. Mm. It's something that uh, mm -hmm. is very important to keep in mind. Mm. I think it's a really it's an interesting and complicated equation in terms of. Um, you know, the stress of our gender roles and, yes. you know, women being able to perhaps get help more easily or draw from their relationships with others um, in ways that, again, it's an example of where this mythology around the expectations of the male breadwinner um, are not healthy for men either. Mm -hmm. um, yep, absolutely. Well, it's actually one of the points I was going to make. Women have stronger social networks than men, so for the same reason. And Women take better care of their health in general. So, um, but I'm going to give you a quotation that's exactly right on point from Eleanor Roosevelt. The battle for the individual rights of women is of one of long standing, and none of us should countenance anything which undermines it. Hear, hear. So, women live longer than men, women are stronger than men, women have a much greater need to make sure that they are earning the same pay as men and that the proper financial decisions are made. I want to remind folks that you're listening to MoneyWise, brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. And in our business, we show people how to protect their families and how to protect their money. And you can give us a call at 508-998-8858 anytime. We've got lots of free information. Valerie, if somebody wants to know more about the Women's Fund, how do they reach you? And how do they reach somebody at the Women's Fund? You can find us on the web at www.womensfundsema.org, and that's, there's a lot of great information on our website. Uh, you can also call us at 508-717-0283, um, and certainly people can email me, vbassett at womensfundsema.org. Um, we'd love to get people involved who are interested in working on these issues. Now, what is the Women's Fund doing to try to combat gender inequality and promote, you know, income equality with women, for women? 
Great question. And I would actually take one step back and our our focus now is really raising funds and investing in solutions to increase the percentage of women in the region earning a living wage. Um, so a piece of that is wage equity, but it also goes beyond wage equity where we want to really help families and women move out of poverty as well. And so there are a lot of pieces to that puzzle. In terms of wage equity, that's one of the top priorities that came out of our, uh, we had a task force on pathways for women to a living wage, about 40 to 50 folks working on questions of how do we uh, get more women to be able to earn a living wage in the region. And that created our economic blueprint for women. So one of the priorities in the economic blueprint for women is wage equity. And there's really two ways we're working on it. The top way is supporting the state equal pay bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a legislative solution. And, and, and so supporting that, supporting its implementation uh, will be a, you know, a multi-year project. And the other is um, we have done less on but are excited to be able to do more going forward is really partnering with local employers and exploring uh, if there is interest to do something comparable to what's been done in Boston that's called the Boston Compact. And it's a voluntary uh, group of employers who've gotten together with the city, and they've all agreed to make a priority working to wage equity, having an increased number of women in the highest levels of management. Um, And what they do is they monitor. So they collect the numbers and see where they are and then work on implementing some changes, looking more closely at their promotion, their recruiting practices, and setting some goals. And then they see where they are the next year. And it's, a you know, again, a multi-year process. But I think a lot can be done Uh, by voluntary efforts of employers of goodwill. And we'd be excited to partner with employers and see what might happen in this region to also move this issue forward. So would you actually reach out to uh, employers then, companies, if they're interested in helping? Yes, absolutely. And they could contact you, obviously, as well. Yes. Um, Margaret Thatcher Prime Minister of England, who is a phenomenal person, the Iron Lady, of course they called her, said, there can be no liberty unless there is economic liberty. And she was living proof of the fact of, you know, what women can accomplish and do accomplish. I've read recently that um, there are more female students in college and higher education now than there are male students. Do you think that will help over time? I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. I think one of the challenges, and uh, we worked with UMass Dartmouth Public Policy Center to do a closer analysis of Greater New Bedford wages and educational segregation, if you will. And one of the things that happen is that women get tracked and also choose uh, educational pathways that are often lower paid um, than ones that are traditionally male. So there's two sides to this problem, right? One is that those things are paid differentially. Why are math and science careers paid so much more than uh, caretaking, you know, social work or other careers that might be more traditionally female? Um, So that's an issue. But the second part of it is how can we encourage and support more girls and women to go into uh, higher paid professions? And so I think there's a lot of work that people are doing and there's a lot more to be done. So it getting the degree is important. Um, I would say it's also important for women who might not go the academic route to look at things like uh, union apprenticeship programs, okay. um, union jobs, actually because they're so clearly categorized. Um, 
are very pay. There's pay equity uh, in union jobs, as in many government jobs as well, where there's clear coding and classification. Um, and so it's a great way to make a living wage. So education and training, yes, but also making sure that women uh, are supported and encouraged and have the right uh, context to do to go into careers where they can earn a living wage. Do you think we have reasonably good training opportunities in Greater New Bedford? I think they could be better. Um, one of the recommendations of the task force was to create a union pre-apprenticeship program for women in the building trades. And uh, there are a number of labor leaders who are exploring uh, creating a pre-apprenticeship program. So in that area, I think there's more to be done. Um, in the academic area, I also think that there is room to to do better in terms of getting girls engaged in, in STEAM, you know, science, uh, te- technology, engineering, arts and math um, from an early age and then sustaining that through higher education. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with uh, Valerie Bassett, who's the executive director of the Women's Fund of Southeastern Massachusetts. And our topic is gender equality. What do you think about women in the military and, and now they're entitled to have combat roles? you think that's a good idea? I think it was the inevitable outcome of equity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's not for every woman. And it's certainly a change, and a change in a culture, especially military culture, is difficult. Um, but I do believe that women can do it. You know, as you were saying earlier, women are strong. Yes. Um, there are certain roles they may be better at than others. But I think with the right training uh, and, and experience, uh, women can excel. Um, I I have a friend who said he, he was a man who took a, a boxing class, and it was a lot of women in the class and he said wow women are angry (laughs) 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 and they're tough I mean not all women are angry but I think women are uh, certainly as capable of um, doing the tasks required other than perhaps an extreme level of physical strength and having the mindset to do it one of the other things that Margaret Thatcher said is any woman who understands the problems of running a home will be nearer to understanding the problems of running a country. Yes, uh, yes, actually, my wife has a saying, same problem, add a zero. Uh, yes. <laughs> so whether you're dealing with a household budget or a nation's budget. The other thing I like about uh, Margaret Thatcher is she said, I usually make up my mind about a man in 10 seconds, and I very rarely change it. <laughs> that was funny as well. You know, I was actually shocked, Valerie, this last fall uh, to find out what the differences were in consumer products, clothing, toys for kids, and the fact that toys, the same identical toy for a girl was more expensive than it was for a boy. They had a picture of a scooter. It came from a very well-known consumer department store that I probably won't mention the name of on the radio, And they had one scooter painted pink and one scooter painted blue. The the blue one was for the boy, the pink one was for the girl, and the one for the girl was $10 more, the identical product. And I'm thinking, I know some lawyers in this area that ought to be thinking about a class action lawsuit. And the same thing is true for clothing. You can have similar clothing. Women usually pay more for a haircut than men. Women pay more to dry clean their clothing than men for the same kind of product. And, and the clothing is usually smaller. Um, women pay more for things like deodorant and razors. And the only difference is it's marked for a woman instead of being marked for a man. I, I was just really shocked to, to, to read that stuff and learn about it. 
It seems really backwards, doesn't it, right? If women are earning less and being charged more for consumer products, you know, it sort of just keeps us tied to the treadmill of earning enough to buy the same things. Well, it I shows think a, you, I think, the uh, system is rigged sure and it is. was devised by men. I'm in, mm-hmm. yeah. And that old boy system is like a chisel. You got to, I don't know how to break through that, you know, but it needs to be broken through. Yeah, Persistence. Mm-hmm. Shaving cream, same can of shaving cream. Put a different color on it, and it's more expensive for a woman. Doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I really seriously hope that maybe a woman lawyer in a class action lawsuit will bring an action and challenge these pricing because this is just shocking. Well, you know, Valerie, there's so much we could talk about on this particular topic of uh, gender equality. We talked about education and training as being ways to help. Um, could you provide your contact information again? So if anybody's interested in volunteering or helping in some fashion, they could be in touch with you. I can be personally reached at V Bassett, that's B-A-S-S-E-T-T, at womensfundsema.org, or at our phone, 508-717-0283, or check us out on our website at womensfundsema.org. And I'd like to thank you very much for being with us this morning, Valerie. Remind people that if you have money questions, money concerns, first of all, listen to Money Wise, and secondly, give us a call at USA Wealth Group at 508-998-8858. We've got so much information to share with you on Social Security. We want to show you how to make better financial decisions, whether you're male or female. Thank you for being with us, Valerie. A pleasure. pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Congratulations on your terrific, well-deserved, our Woman of the Year in Southeastern Massachusetts. Thank you so much. Help other women with it. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm.